Hi, I'm Michael Hartman. I'm Naomi Liu. And I'm Mike Rizzo. And this is OpsCast. A podcast for marketing ops pros. And RevOps pros. Created by the MoPros, the number one community for marketing operations professionals. Tune in to each episode as we chat with real professionals to help elevate you in your marketing operations career. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of OpsCast brought to you by MarketingOps.com, powered by the MoPros. I am your host, Michael Hartman, joined today by co-host Mike Rizzo. What's hey, happening, everybody. Mike? You know, just trying to stay warm when it's cold in California. Everybody laughs at me for that one. Well, and ironically, <laughs> it's it's been cold here in Dallas, but it is warm today. I think it's almost 80 degrees oh, Fahrenheit wow. for those of you who are in like other countries besides the you know US. the rest of the world right <laughs> that uses a system that makes more sense <laughs> right well i'm excited today we are going to be talking with frank cowell most recently ceo of digitopia agency which is an inbound digital marketing agency with a proprietary methodology so frank founded what is now digitopia in 2004 and has evolved the agency had evolved the agency from primarily website development and internet marketing by the way internet marketing is a term i hadn't heard in like 10 years to a digital marketing agency. Uh, prior to founding his first agency, Frank worked in sales and marketing with Tandy, AT&T, and other technology companies. He is also a veteran of the United States Marine Corps and regularly volunteers his talents to the San Diego AMA, American Marketing Association, while also mentoring young people in the areas of strategy, sales, and marketing. So Frank, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for your service. Absolutely. Michael and Mike, it's good to be here with you both. Well, great. So, um, for our listeners, yeah, this was Frank's Frank's situation with Digitopia has recently changed. So maybe we'll get a little bit of that along the way. But um, when Frank, when you and I first chatted, and we're kind of getting ready for this, which uh, for the folks listening happens usually several weeks before we record, uh, sometimes now months. But uh, you talked to us about something you were calling the growth engine concept or a growth engine concept, something where you know, marketing, sales, and how they're you know, how they are a growth engine. So for our listeners, because I think this is going to be important for the rest of the conversation, can you describe what you mean by that and how it applies to our audience, primarily of marketing ops, revenue ops kinds of professionals? Yeah, you know, when we talk about the growth engine in marketing and sales world, uh, you know, what's conjured up often is, you know, what are we doing from a lead gen standpoint and a marketplace selection standpoint, messaging, filtering, how do we have a sales process with BDRs that then hand it over to the team, like that whole continuity, that seamless approach. And <clears throat> that's very important, obviously. Um, and then, you know, once clients are landed, they're handed over to operations to fulfill the offering. And I kind of look at it the other direction in that, um, in my worldview, operations is the heart of the growth engine. Uh, in other words, if we don't have something that's world-class on the operations side, something that uh, meets the hallmarks of a world-class offering, such as repeatable, scalable, delightful, valuable, proven, uh, profitable. Uh, if we don't have those hallmarks, um, it's going to be extremely difficult to sell it, and then it's going to be even harder to market it. So operations, which as a function of the business, different than operating, we can talk about that too in a moment, operations being the fulfillment function of the business, that is the heart of the growth engine. And I've been really beating that drum lately, especially in today's world, it gets just more and more saturated as the days go by. 
and there's no end in sight. It's, we're just never going back to the glory days of buying ad time and hitting home runs because uh, we can put out some really great creative, quote unquote. Um, mm-hmm. Those days are gone. And it really comes back to the fundamentals of business. Uh, three things. You know, what's the business strategy? Do we have a true north? Do we have a culture of excellent implementation? And then third is operations. Do we have a world-class offering? That's really what it has to come back to if we want to be able to scale. So for those of you that are here and listening, if you're in the RevOps space, the marketing side, the sales side, what I would start doing if I were you is I'd start getting real nosy and start getting real friendly with product, with your teams that fulfill whatever it is that you're selling. I'd get real friendly with CFOs. I'd get real friendly with uh, COOs. Find out what are we doing uh, to become special in the marketplace? What are we doing to dominate our marketplace with just one offering? Just just find one piece. Where are we just killing it? Where are we world-class? And let's see how we can start with that. So I'm glad you you clarified. So when you said operations, I think at the end, you were, I was going to ask you, do you mean, because we started this primarily for marketing operations folks, but it's kind of grown and we've attracted other other people, including revenue operations, depending on what you call it, like depending on how you define that, um, as well as other marketers and stuff. But you mentioned the word offering in there, and I think my head went right to the offerings that we Uh oh! Did we lose me? <laughs> Go ahead and do. Uh, my head went right to, and I'll 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 pull it all together for us. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> Don't worry. All it's right. fine. Mike and I were looking at each other, like doing that really great. Like we're gonna hold this. Yeah, we're just we're There's just gonna a sit here point. and wait, and maybe we'll hear him. Uh, and I had fun. gone on for like two minutes there. All yeah, right. We're trying to see if we had a good recovery spot, but all right, well. so. Let's start again now. So where my head went to was um, that you, you know, you had offering could be like what the, what the, your company or organization sells or offers to external customers. But were you also meaning or did, was that what you meant or did you mean more yes. about what do you as an operations team offer to the rest of the uh, business? No. So when I say offering, I use that as a generic way to refer to the things that you sell. So I, in true marketing sense, we should use the word product, but then service people sometimes get hung up and say, we don't sell products. In the service business, your labor service is the product. So offering to me is just whether it's a product or a service, or you have a bit of both, whatever your offerings are, the things that you sell into the marketplace and operations is the the function of the business that delivers the offerings, that fulfills the offerings. And so when we last talked, I think that's one of the things I've been passionate about helping my my peers and people within the industry understand and within business understand that you know we've we've taken the word operations and we've kind of like, you know, we're we're slanging it around quite a bit, quite a bit. We've got RevOps and DevOps and Cloud Ops and Sales Ops and Marketing Ops. We're just throwing this word around like crazy. And I think that's fine because it speaks to the idea that within our functions, we need to operationalize what we do. Fantastic. But the the 
function of operations is not an overarching that's over on top of admin, finance, sales, marketing, whatever. It is the function of the business that fulfills the offering. So in a service-based business, that's where your production delivery team lives, the people that actually deliver the labor to the, 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 to the clients, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And that, that definition comes up often when you're, you know, I've got really um, great sort of professional network friend, like built out in the agency space, um, some colleagues that I've met through the years and, you know, the definition of marketing operations for them is like fundamentally like very different uh, than what we talk about in like sort of the B2B embedded sort of provider within within a team, like a SaaS company for that matter. Correct. Um, and digital asset management, right? Like that comes in often into the category of marketing operations when you're looking at that sort of like, I think that bridges into the world of services delivery and all of that stuff. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think we we sling these, you didn't even mention client success operations, Frank. Oh, like, there you go. <laughs> there's another one for success, us. Success ops. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about success ops. Yeah. So I think all of that makes sense. I really like that at the end of the day, though, it's, it's delivering on the outcome, right? Whether you're delivering on the outcome for the client um, or if you're, if your team, your organization is your client. We often, I think in this community talk about it in that way all the time, right? Like the, the internal teams are your clients. And so how do you operationalize delivery of business expectations, service level agreements, those kinds of things? Because at the end of the day, you are a service provider to your organization, to your teams, right? 1000%. And uh, I, I'm a big, I'm a big, ah, Hartman's pushing back. Uh, Michael, <laughs> like, what say? He's you? like, I do not provide services to well, my team. I was, <laughs> so here's, here's my hot take on this is that I, I hate, hates maybe too strong, but it's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me when people say my internal customer, because I think it's a bunch of BS because I think customers are customers, right? So what you're providing as an organization, um, and this is where I thought Frank was going, is that we're operationalizing how to fulfill or operationalizing how to fulfill the offering to our end customers, the ones who are actually paying us for our, that and enabling us to have the jobs that we have. I, I understand this, the intent of saying internal customers and trying to be a partner and all that, but I think the danger in that is that you forget about who are you truly trying to serve as an organization, which in my view should be your external customers. Now, if you have a, a, um, an organization who's it's built around enabling people to have that mindset, like from a culture standpoint that you're going to treat our people well so that they will then treat our customers. Well, I think, I think that makes sense. But the idea that you, I just always struggle with like, cause it would be really easy to make things really easy and efficient for our internal teams, but make it really hard for our customers to work well, with so us. Michael, Mike, that's the danger. Where I'm going to side with Mike on this and my pushback, Michael would be this. Um, there are many roles that have direct touching with the customer and then the, and they have probably KPIs that can be directly related to that. But then there are many people in the org um that have to serve someone else in the org to enable them to do their job. And so I tend to put everyone's role with a top level mission statement and 
as much as possible. I like that mission statement of every role to describe to me how you serve someone else in the organization, how you serve another role or function in the organization. Because if without that connectivity, then we can just say, like someone in admin, oh, I'm here to serve our customer. But they never touch customers. Their job never even comes close to customers. But they do enable someone in the org to do their job better, to do their job well, which is... is um you know, a chain reaction. So I, I tend to lean towards every single person in the org has to have a mission statement, a one sentence description of why their role exists. And ideally in that mission statement, there's a reference to who or what they serve in the organization. It's service unto something or someone else besides, you know, themselves. Yeah. I, I think maybe we're not as far off as, I, I mean, I, like I said, that's my, my hot take, but I think my point is, I, I, I think it's more of a mental model for me that I want, I don't want people to forget that they're, if they're serving in a role that doesn't directly work with external customers, that they're, they're enabling somebody else who may be enabling somebody else who's going to be providing the best, you know, interaction with end customers. And I think, I don't want people to forget that connection because I think it's a really good call out. I think it's a really good call out. I, I, I don't think, I actually think we're all saying very much the same thing, but you're, you're calling attention to an important nuance, which over the last decade and decade plus, you know, could have been lost in translation for sure. Um, in a world where a culture or an organization, uh, or let's just say in an organization where they weren't necessarily thinking about customer journey or customer experience, um, and the outcome wasn't in favor of how do we delight a customer, there was definitely a time where sales or marketing or anyone else in any function could have said, I need the ability to send more emails. And, and that could have resulted in some terrible outcome, right? Like, oh, great. You get to just spam people. <laughs> uh, not, I need the ability to send more emails to a very specific audience because I have a KPI that I need to influence because we know that this particular ICP that we're going after is the right buyer for us. And so I need yeah. to be enabled. And, right? and I think that's a totally different ballgame. <laughs> yeah. And I also think that it's the job of the CEO to um, reinforce often the organization's true north. And that true north has some sort of impact on somebody, whether it's customers or a marketplace or a community um, in, the, in the mission that goes along with that. So I it, it really, I think CEOs can do a world of good by reminding everyone in the org, you know, why they're doing what they're doing and how it ultimately impacts the mission that they're driving towards. Uh, good CEOs will remind the org often of that and reinforce it. Yeah. Sorry, I took I took us down a rabbit hole that I didn't intend to, but That's okay. yeah, it's it's just one of those ones that Mike Mike knows this from doing this for almost two years. Like, there's a couple of buttons that if you push on me, there's going to be like I'm going to come back at it with a reaction, founded or not. So no one needs to know accounting, right? Exactly, <laughs> they don't. They need What's to that? understand finance. Finance, right. different. Damn it, I went the wrong way. Either way, you'd think after two years I would have got that right. Oh, well. You would. I would. I would expect that, Mike. We're going to have to have a conversation later. I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so, but I, you know, I, it, and part of this goes back, I will just to wrap that up, right? Part of this goes back to a book that I got actually at a big worldwide marketing thing at a big company I worked for. And this, the author wrote this book. It's kind of a who moved my cheese style thing, right? Really short, pithy 
uh, chapters in a short book anyway. But there was one, it was just two facing pages. And basically the, the gist of that chapter in quote, right, air quotes was, you know, everyone's paycheck should have, this is customer money. And that, like I used to have a photocopy of that at my desk everywhere I worked for 10, 15 years, just because it was a good remind to your point, right? It was a reminder. So it could have been a CEO or a leader of a company doing it. Yeah. But it was for, that was like my, my internal, the way I internalized it. So um, maybe we can yeah, put it. Yeah, I here. would, I would uh, twist that a little bit more too. This is our reward for bringing value to our customer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, this is a result of bringing value to somebody. And, um, the more you make, the more value you've delivered. Yeah, totally. Love it. Um, okay. So we'll get back on track here a little bit. Um, so, uh, you know, another thing you, you, you sort of a term you used with me when we were kind of prepping for this was something you called moment. If I get this right, momentum priority management, which I think is a method you are, you know, you you were either building or thinking about or have used that is a little bit of a, a flywheel model of some source in terms of, I guess, prioritization. So fill in the gaps there of how much I screwed that up. But yeah, what is what do you mean by that and how could it apply to our listeners? Hey, everyone. It's Mike Rizzo here, and I'm interrupting your episode to bring you a brief message about, you might have guessed it, Mopsapalooza 2024, our second annual conference held in the vibrant city of Anaheim, California. We're hosting this hybrid event from the 5th of November through the 8th, and we would love for you to join us in person in Anaheim. But if you can't, please join us via live stream, courtesy of our sponsor, Excelvets. We're excited to offer an opportunity for professionals just like you to connect, learn, and grow among the best in the industry. Our event promises to be a highlight of the year, offering invaluable professional development experiences, live workshops, and of course, networking with your peers. Don't miss out on this incredible gathering right next to Disneyland in Southern California. Tickets are going fast. We will cap registration at 700 attendees. Secure your pass by visiting marketingops.com today. And we're looking forward to welcoming you to what is guaranteed to be an unforgettable event. It might just be the best event you've ever attended. But don't take my word for it. You can ask the community at any time. We'll see you there. Yeah, so what I mean by momentum priority management is when I think about stepping back and looking at the business and trying to understand where does the organization need to unblock something to create the most momentum for growth. At the highest level, we want to look at the functions of the business. And there are six core functions underneath the top two execs of CEO and COO. Those six functions are marketing, sales, operations, admin, finance, and R&D, right? Those are the generic six standard major functions of a business. For the most part, generally speaking, everything flows under one of those six functions, right? So when we think about those functions, um, we want to think about the order in which we focus on them. So what I, I typically tend to do is line those up after the CEO is responsible for True North and making sure that there's a team to support True North. The COO is responsible for making sure there's a culture of elite implementation. And then we get into the, the functions. And the very, very first one, this goes back to what we talked about earlier, is operations. 
is the is the offering world class and that's what the operations team is there to make sure it's the product the service that we're selling is it world class is it uh, and again my world class checklist is repeatable scalable profitable provable uh valuable to clients right um easy to buy easy to easy to retain so do we have a world class offering if we don't Yes, we might have lead gen problems. Yes, we might have sales conversion rate problems, and it's up to those teams to focus on those. But the number one focus of the entire org should be that world-class offering if you don't already have it. That comes before marketing, sales, or anything else. After that, the next one that's in domino order or momentum priority order uh, is the sales process. Why? Because now that we have a world-class offering, we actually have to validate that people have this need and the people want to buy it, the people will buy it and are as evidenced by really high close rates. We can get people into meetings and we can close them at a high rate. And we've got a process to repeat that. Once we've nailed that, then we go to marketing. Marketing then becomes the the bottleneck. It becomes the next momentum area that we want to focus on once we've solved those other things. And the reason it comes after those things is because it when you have a world-class offering, it makes selling easier. And then when you have that dialed in, now we use marketing for scale. And that's what a lot of smaller businesses don't understand. You don't do marketing as your standard growth engine. You do it for scale once the offering is proven and once your sales process is proven. I see way too many orgs thinking they have a lead gen problem when in reality they have an offering problem or they have a sales system problem. Marketing is for scaling, right? It's not for proving out offering. It's not for proving out... uh, the the value the value of the offering and being able to close consistently. After that, then we go to admin, then we go to finance. So putting them in that order nets you the most momentum possible. There's a really great video uh, you could find on YouTube where um, a gentleman knocks over these dominoes and he starts with a domino that's probably around you know two inches high. It's a just a normal. Oh, I've seen this. And at the end, there's this massive 200 pound slab that he's able to knock over. And the reason he's able to do that is because he lined up the dominoes in the right order. If the second domino was the 200 pound slab right after the two inch domino, it would have stopped. He wouldn't have been able to knock it over. And so that's what momentum priority management is about. It's about making sure that as an organization, we know our true north and we have a team built that matches our true north with core values and excited about the vision and the mission. We have a culture of getting stuff done, elite implementation, no matter what our problem is in the org, no matter what we're tackling, we get stuff done. We're consistent. We hit our targets. We keep our promises. We're accountable. We make decisions towards the true north. Then from there, we go into offering and so on. So that that order is so critical because if you focus on one later as an obsession of the org, but you haven't solved a previous you're going to be spinning your wheels. You're going to not be nearly as efficient and gain the momentum that you possibly could. It's interesting. <clears throat> a couple of thoughts and maybe a follow up. But what my my big takeaway from this was I, I when you were describing marketing as a thing for scale, you know, after kind of get, getting the sales process figured out. I, I know I've seen multiple times over the course of the last few years in different communities, people in marketing saying like, marketing, marketing ops, right, can't solve for bad product market fit right Correct. so right. um it can maybe temporarily fill a little bit of a gap but it's never going to be a long-term thing um it, it, this may be getting into you know the part that you made a you kind of hinted at a distinction between operations and operating 
function. And so maybe maybe this is part of it, but the, the I'll ask the question this way: you the way you described like getting that world class um, offering out there is an operations thing. Is there an implication there from an organization standpoint that you need something like marketing operations or revenue operations to be elite and in place to support that at that in that in the first domino stage? Or does that tend to come later when you're dealing with sales and marketing uh, ramping up in the future stages? I, I tend to think um and I don't want to offend anybody who's listening. I tend to think that many organizations, if they focused on the fundamentals of what I talked about, right? Do we have a true north and are we abiding by it? Are we world-class in implementation? Is our offering world-class? I tend to think if you keep going back to those questions and just solving for those questions in each function, it would be much, much later in your growth journey that you would need a marketing operations team, a revenue operations team, and so on. That being said, when you get to the point where you truly need it, then it's about it's about taking what's already working and now sending it to another level. I am not a fan of, we need revenue operations to fix something that's just fundamentally broken. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think once you have things that are fundamentally working well, and now we're trying to leverage things at scale, then things like revenue operations make sense. It's a lot like, you know, if we had a, a big uh, lever and uh, the boulder we were trying to lift was just a little five pound thing, it's just kind of a waste, right? We don't need a big lever. We could just pick it up with our hands. But if on the other end was a 500 pound boulder, that same lever with our same exact force, no extra energy, no extra effort, we can lift it. And so we've got leverage. And same thing with organizations. Once you reach a certain mass, once you reach a certain um, level of momentum and th the fundamentals are working, now we can use things like revenue operations to do things at scale and leverage data, leverage throughput, leverage the size of a customer base that otherwise it just doesn't have the same impact when you're much smaller. Um, marketing operations, same thing. You know, Now when we are ready to do something at scale, then yes, the idea that we have things operationalized is way more important because now we have leverage, something something to leverage. Yeah, I'm curious, Mike, you, you know, you've got a lot more like early stage company experience than I do. Does that resonate with you, that kind of domino model in the order? Or is it, have you seen, I'm just curious. I'm, I, I have, I don't have enough experience in that early stage company world to, to have a strong opinion. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, I it definitely resonates. I think um, there's a balance now. There's something happening today that wasn't happening 10 years ago. Uh, and that is the executives who have been around long enough or who have at least conferred with other leaders in their space on what should I be paying attention to? You know, and Frank, you're calling attention to a bunch of different things that are really important. Um, they're going to ask questions that are actually hard to answer if you don't have an operational like rigor in place that allows you to answer those questions. So by way of example, um, 
you know, we are trying to operationalize our business for a go-to-market product. And uh, we figured out our ICP, we've made some bets, and it seems like it's working. But the only evidence I have right now is that we've closed a few deals. I don't know what channels those deals necessarily came from. And if I ask the question, where did the leads come from? If nobody built the rigor to be able to track that right from the very beginning, that question is not going to be answerable. And so there is a natural inflection point at some stage of any early company that eventually says, all right, somebody please lay a foundation that is super, super basic, that we can at least do some real simple reporting off of that I can understand and trust. That, that I, I would thousand takes, percent agree. Yeah, that takes expertise though, right? Like that takes an operations person. Now, maybe you don't have to hire an operations team. You don't have to hire a marketing ops expert full time, but you should probably contract somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Getting those foundations in place uh, are, are definitely critical. I, I think I was more so referring to, yeah, I see a lot of orgs trying to grow these various ops teams that otherwise would be unnecessary if they had just obsessed about some fundamentals, core core underlying technology to make sure that we have uh, seamless data between the flow of marketing, sales, operations, and so on. Absolutely, a thousand percent. I think another thing that becomes a trigger point is um, ultimately, like I think about RevOps and I think about why a RevOps team would even exist. And in my opinion, the only reason a RevOps team would exist is to extract more uh, revenue and or profit to the bottom line that otherwise is not currently happening. And so if there is opportunity on the table to do that, and a, then a RevOps team makes sense. Why? Well, normally the COO is responsible for finding the and analyzing the profitability. What is happening within my functions mm-hmm. where I can inflect revenue and drop more profit to bottom line? At some point that becomes too big of a job for the COO due to all the data throughput and the technology. At some point that becomes outside their technical scope, not their strategic scope. Mm -hmm. And so in my opinion, that becomes a triggering point where, hey, team members uh, to assist in enabling that to happen that otherwise was easier for that person to tackle when they were smaller is now needed, which is why I then uh, often say, in my worldview, the RevOps team is really a right hand to the COO because they're enabling that person to ju- to do the mission of their job that otherwise was already there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I I think just just going back to some of the points you're making earlier, um actually, you know, I think it backs a lot of the thinking that you know, you, you can't go to a or you shouldn't in my opinion <laughs> go yeah. to a marketing ops person you know, to echo what you're saying before, to try to figure out your go-to-market. Like, like, like they're not your growth strategist. They're not your, your, your growth hacky, like come up with all kinds of new ways to try to bring a product to the market person. They can create the pipelines and all of those things. And, and look, some marketing ops professionals, they move into that role and that's good, but they are distinctly different functions. And so what I was hearing earlier about like, you know, trying to find product market fit and all this other stuff, like I actually really like that because at the end of the day, if you're hiring somebody for an ops role, it shouldn't be because they're your growth hacker. (laughs) 
that isn't that isn't their actual job. So please stop trying to lump like you know, growth hacking in with this idea that that's like what a marketing automation person, marketing operations person does. Like they're different roles, they're different functions, they serve different purposes. And so I, I actually liked that you were pulling those things apart. But yeah, I, uh, all of what you said made sense. I just wanted to. Yeah, the, the the slash ops, as we add ops on to all these different uh, things like marketing, sales, dev, and all that. Again, to me, I think it's there to operationalize what's happening in their world and also to be connectivity to other functions within the business. But typically um, that means that person is following someone else's strategy, right? There's the strategy of the executive team of here's the approach to our growth and here's where we're pointed for our growth. And here are the big decisions that we think will lead to our growth. Now, the folks below that have to figure out how to make it happen. By the time we get to marketing ops, the how they're figuring out how to make happen are things like repeatability and interconnectedness and consistency and data exposure. That, that's, really, that's really far away from the business strategy. Not saying those people can't elevate and be capable one day, but at that point, you know, we want to be really clear. I often say, um, because we, a lot of people throw the word strategy around, strategy versus tactic, strategy versus tactic. Some people will say, oh, we have an SEO strategy. And, um, and that may be true. But what I like to remind people of is for every person that, that has a tactic to their strategy, that tactic is someone else's strategy. And that strategy is someone else's tactic. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, mm, Yeah. Your, your tactic becomes the next next level down strategy. So everyone's got sh- this straddling of strategy and tactics. And so we just need to all be a very aware of our role and what we're there to do. And so we have to be clear, like, what is the strategy I'm following, which is someone else's tactic? Then what is my strategy to implement that tactic? Mm-hmm. Right. What, so would you also agree that as you, as a, organization uh, evolves and and matures right as you add op- these operation operational functions for the different functional areas that there should be a feedback mechanism that should be- then inform back to the strategy from the other team that might have been supporting is that a fair assessment uh, yeah, I think any anywhere and everywhere we can have feedback loops and work together as unified teams, which is why I love the idea of uh, once an organization's ready for it and it's justified, I love the idea of RevOps because we're really uh, unifying that marketing sales operations loop, right? Yeah. Or what we call marketing sales success. Um, so we're really unifying that, that thread uh, and making sure that the throughput is just consistent, seamless, not only in terms of customer experience, but then the the data and then how do we make sense of it so we can leverage it for better performance. Um, so anywhere we can infuse that kind of thinking throughout the org, I am, I am absolutely all for, um, what was the heart of your question again? I was wanted to make sure I answered. No, I, so, no, I think you did. Like, so here's why I was asking the questions. I think, I think folks listening who are in marketing operations roles is like, this could come across as a little bit of a disheartening message, right? What's <laughs> that, but I think, and you hit on what I thought would be the point, which is fairly consistent with what we've heard from other guests is that I think the way that 
I'll keep it to marketing ops, but it could be revenue ops. Uh, one of the ways in which we can show additional value back to the organization is by leveraging our access and understanding of the data that we are really a part of enabling and that that's where insights can come from. And it's not just reporting back numbers. It's re like looking at the numbers, understanding what it, what it's telling us, right? The storytelling piece of it. And I, I think that's what our, I was going, I was like, I think it could be the message you could, people could be hearing is that it's just a, um, there, there's not a strategic element to what they do or could not a possibility. And I don't, I didn't think that's what you meant. So that's why I wanted no, to clarify. No, not at all. So, so I think what, what I, let me be clear from my role to any other role in the org, we need to be very self-reflective and understand where we're the strategic person and where we're the tactical person. We all have both. Yeah. And so it's being mindful of, um, kind of goes back to what Mike said earlier, which is how are we serving someone else or something else in the org? So this uh, this mindset of service to each other in the org. And so I think regardless of whatever level you're at, being mindful of that, and then also understanding like why, why the org exists and what its vision and mission are and how can you obsess about how your work can impact that, but then your function. So if we're talking about marketing, right? Like the whole job of marketing's function is to drive awareness and leads, contacts in the database, right? Like qualified legion, awareness and qualified legion. So you have a bit of a long-term play and a bit of a short-term play. So if you're in marketing ops and you, you know, like it's awareness and legion, right? Like those are the holy grails, the long-term, short-term. Then I would become, as a marketing ops person, I would start to become very curious on a regular basis about the things you're seeing in the data, in the systems, in the interactions, in the the, your, the throughput that's coming across your computer. And I'd start to get very curious and start to ask questions and say, what is this telling me about our opportunity to drive awareness? What is this telling me about our opportunity to drive qualified lead gen? And once you, once you find something that makes you really curious that you think is worth investigating, then go and investigate it. Go and investigate it and start coming up with a hypothesis that says, you know, I saw this and it made me curious about our opportunity to drive more long-term awareness. So therefore I did this research and I found this. And my hunch is if we do X, Y, and Z, we might see this as a result. If you can formulate that sentence as a result of going through the exercises and the motions, you're going, no matter what role you're in, you're going to be wildly valuable. So I think people that are in, you know, let's add on the ops, cloud ops, marketing ops, DevOps, whatever, right? When you're in those types of roles and you're really there to like operationalize and enable these, the data and the systems and the cross-functionality, stay curious. That is how you're going to drive impact. And that's how you're going to, you know, raise your own stock within the organization. Yeah, I, th I think that curiosity is going to be, I think that theme right there is going to be a critical one. And I think, if you talk to enough marketing ops folks, one of the one of the consistent themes you'll hear about what makes good marketing ops people is curiosity, right? They want to understand how things work. So what I would add, the nuanced thing is like, follow that curiosity when you see something that, you know, stands out and figure it out and, try it, and then do that exercise that you just described. I want to go back to you, you the, the operations versus operating distinction that you made, because truth be told, like from our conversation few weeks ago, I still feel like I'm not clear about what you're making, how you're making that distinction. 
and I don't know if it has to do with job titles or something else like but what how do you distinguish operations from operating and what's the kind of the the um i don't know the context in which you might use one or the other terms from your perspective yeah so operating is typically where there's some confusion sometimes with folks is the like the coo for example so oftentimes uh, people think that's the operations head uh, but that's the operating head so coo is chief operating officer, not chief operations officer. Little slight difference in the words, but huge difference. So the COO, the operating officer, they're the ones who head up the functions. They, they the, the head functions of marketing, sales, operations, admin, finance, and R&D report to that individual. Does that make sense? So the COO yeah. doesn't just manage operations. They manage marketing, sales, operations, admin, finance, R&D. So those heads report to that individual operations is one of those functional heads that sits peer to marketing, sales, admin, finance, and R&D. Underneath operations would be all of everybody having to do with the delivery of the offering. So again, if you're in a services-based business, that's your, that's your, uh, you have your head of operations and you have your client success manager and you have your account uh, strategists and account directors, and you have your, you know, service execution people. Um, if you're a physical product, it's people that are doing assembly and and so on and so forth, right? So it's everything to do with fulfillment of what was sold. So if I play this back, so the operating piece really has to do with more of the whoever is, whether they're COO, but somebody who's the, the leader within a company that has a uh, responsibility for those functions, including the operations functions that may have in it over time, probably have leaders of each of those sort of functional operational teams. Is that right? Correct. And that the operations are going to have is going to have its own head, right? So we might call that a vice president of operations, but a lot of um, distinction that should come out of that is the vice president of operations isn't over marketing sales, admin finance. They're peer to those folks over those folks is the COO or what you could call president or general manager. You know, one of those three titles often gets used for that individual. Then above that individual is obviously the CEO. Um, and so I just think it's a real important distinction so that when we talk about operations in our world of RevOps, DevOps, CloudOps, Marketing Ops, we should be clear like operations as the major business function is the offering. Operations as a concept or operationalizing things isn't necessarily a core uh, distinct function of the business. Okay. I'm curious, this is total, well, it's it's a related thing. So I've seen some conversations online and stuff with uh, marketing leaders in particular, like CMOs, who typically their title is chief marketing officer. And uh, there's been some who have uh, articulated that they think they should be chief market officer because they think their role is a little different than just quote just marketing that they have responsibility for understanding customers and what the market you know what the market space is available what the you know total market total available market is and things like that that go beyond i think what people outside of marketing probably in particular think of what marketing does right so is, is it a similar distinction where you're trying to like separate I mean, I think it sounds like it's a, it's really, um, what you're trying to articulate is that 
whoever is that head of responsibility for the things like admin, admin, accounting, finance, whatever, and then the operations functions is a operating leader. As yeah, the oper- a- yeah, the operating leader, the COO or the GM or the president, one of the pick a title, they manage five to six. You know, this is generically speaking, right? Five sure. to six leaders. You know, the leader of marketing, the leader of sales, the leader of operations, the leader of admin, the leader of finance, the leader of R and D. Right? Like that's a generic corporate org structure. And so the COO, there is there is a head of operations that the that reports to the COO. Yeah. So I'm curious. So do you do you? Sorry. Oh, I thought that Mike was about to jump in. So I'm curious if you in in this model that you're articulating is there is there an implication there that? Uh, and I think I heard this a little bit. Is that some of these operations functions that say marketing operations currently usually reports to a head of marketing? Correct. Um, say sales operations usually has reports to a head of sales. Are you? making it a suggestion that those roles should not report back into those functional lines, but actually to the operating leader within an organization? No, no. Marketing ops is in the marketing function. Sales ops is in the sales function okay. and so on. Okay. Now I'm okay. I'm going to go back. It's like how then how do these other, what operations functions would report to the head of operating this operating leader? So it's, it's the head of marketing. Okay. Oh, okay. So the okay, head of operations, head of admin, head of finance, all report to the COO. Got it. Okay. Now it. So then there's second level. Yes, I should have been listening closer. (laughs) So then to go to your point, to go to your question about like, uh, you know, head of marketing versus a head of market or markets. I mean, I think that's really up to that org where they're trying to go, and you know who serves who. And give me a why. What's the justification? Why would that role exist? And and um, how does it interconnect to marketing? And um, ultimately, how is it going to help the organization grow? And yeah, if I it's think, just yeah. a, if if it's just a data and and feedback and insights that just affect marketing decisions, well, then they probably should just report to the head of marketing. Mm, yeah, I think we're seeing we're seeing a roll up of um, functions like marketing ops, sales ops, et cetera, roll into uh, sort of a, a umbrella categorical sort of operational organization. It's basically becoming rev ops now. Um, but I think there's still always, you know, there's, a, there's a need to essentially in the world we're all sitting in uh, offices <laughs> have that person sitting in that, that environment, right. With that team interacting on those daily meetings. Um, even though you might report directly to someone in another operational function. Uh, yeah. You still, know, like when we think there. about, and I mentioned this a moment ago, like in my worldview, who I think RevOps reports into, um, I think it's important that uh, I like the worldview that the RevOps, um, is a, a small but specialized team that is a right hand of the COO because it really truly is about enabling that COO to fulfill their personal mission within the org, which is you know increase revenue, drop more profit to the bottom line. And so, um, and I think that's in my worldview. I think that's important that they have that kind of connectedness to the COO because they oftentimes will have to influence what's happening in marketing, sales, and operations. 
as they try to tie those three together. And so that function, that role needs the authority that needs the clout of being the COO's right-hand team. Does that make sense? Because I think what I've often seen in a lot of these organizations, they get hung up on, well, when is this RevOps and when is this just marketing stuff? Or when is this RevOps and when is this just sales or client services stuff? And um, I've personally seen a lot of RevOps people then just all of a sudden they're just doing regular old marketing work. And so there's a lot of confusion as to like, who's got the the authority to, and why does the role even exist? So uh, I personally think, again, RevOps exists purely to, to maximize revenue potential and drop more to the bottom line. That's it. That's the only reason it exists. I, I and, think, I think that's like the, I, you know, I'll hold my place and say, I reserve the right to <laughs> to uh, adopt a different definition at some point, but right now, I I think that might be one of the best definitions I've thought of or heard. Not I've thought of. I didn't think of it. You did. <laughs> uh, heard in in this space, like really, we, really different. <laughs> I just think <laughs> like, we have to get. We just have to get really clear on each function of the business. And again, I outlined the the six core corporate functions, and then you have the two, which are CEO and COO. I think we have to get really clear on why each function exists. So when we want to add RevOps as either another function or uh, a major sub-function, we have to also answer that question. Why does it even exist? Mm-hmm. And because without it, businesses like business survived all these years without it. So why are we adding it? Right? Yeah. It's to maximize revenue potential and drop more to the bottom line that otherwise is not happening. Yeah, I think it's I really can see the I can see the mission the mission statements coming in really handy in your in your uh, architecture of what we've just described through this episode. Like, oh yeah, in in any uh, org that I have or any uh, company I coach, every role gets a mission statement, a one sentence mission, which is why does the function exist? Why does the role exist? Mm-hmm. I like that. It's it's interesting the way you described that that role. My, I was thinking that sounds so, maybe somewhat similar to like a chief of staff type role, right? It's because you want somebody who kind of has carries the authority of the the to use the COO in this case, but maybe doesn't have that direct oversight of the individual operations functions. Um, so they're really there to to ensure that there's a, a consistent focus across those to do what you described, right? Maximize revenue potential and, and drop more profit to the bottom line. So I like that. Interesting. Yeah. In fact, that dotted line is a great word, Michael. In 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 that worldview there, there would definitely be dotted line of marketing, sales, and operations over to a RevOps leader, um, which basically says, um, Anytime we need to create consistency in the the client experience, so we can maximize retention and repeat buys. Why? Because we're we're maximizing revenue potential. We're dropping more to the bottom line. Anytime we need those systems talking. Anytime we need that consistency there, and this person has something to operationalize across those three functions, then we're we're going to listen to that person. We're yeah. we're going to we're going to pay a lot of attention because 
they're going to be measured on how well those strategic initiatives result in more revenue and more profit. And if it's not, if the RevOps function can't prove that, and it's actually not doing that in the org, no reason for its existence. Yeah. It's interesting. So uh, I wish we had more time, Frank. This has been like, I'm, I feel like I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to think of like half a dozen more questions that I'd love to ask you, but we'll have to, we'll have to leave it at that. So thank you for your time. If, if folks who are listening want to keep up with what you're doing or connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Come connect with me on LinkedIn, Frank Cowell. Just give me a search. Uh, my LinkedIn is slash Frank R Cowell, C-O-W-E-L-L. You can also, um, my new website uh, with my new ventures launching here soon, which by the time this podcast airs should be ready. It's called Revenue Ranch is my new business. And that is revenueranch.com. Revenue Ranch. And I, now I realize I mispronounced your name. So sorry about that. I usually ask ahead of time. Don't, don't worry about it. It's uh, often, uh, I think our family mispronounces it to begin with anyway. It's probably <laughs> some, the way you say it, to be honest. Oh, that's funny. Well, that's all right. I do I do try, like this one thing I've learned is to try to get that right. So shame on me. That's what I get for, it's like when I, do, I forget to look over my shoulder when I'm changing lanes driving, right? And then there's somebody there. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I, I had that happen to me recently. It'll be my reminder to, to ask the next time. <laughs> Well, Frank, really appreciate it. Some great insights, some great stuff to think about now. Um, and I'm sure our listeners will be like really noodling on this for as well if they're like me. So thank you for that. Mike, thank you for joining and, and jumping in. And thanks to all our listeners for supporting us. If you've got questions or suggestions uh, or topics you want us to talk about in future episodes or suggestions for guests or you want to do any of those things, feel free to hit us up. You can get a hold of Naomi, Mike, or me. Uh, on LinkedIn or on the Slack or whatever. Until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, Michael. Take care. See you, folks.